Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chop On. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Chop On Pod. We have our link tree attached on those pages in our bio, so you can find the right podcast platform for you to listen to our show. Once you find that platform, please like, rate, review, but most importantly, Make sure you hit the subscribe button so that way you don't miss one episode of Crickets with Wrestling that is Chop On. My name is Rajiv and I am here with the one and only Crick Buzz's own Bharat Sundaresan. Oh wait, Sundaresan. <laughs> Hello brother, how are you doing this week? I'm doing really well, Rajiv. Yeah, Sundaresan. I just, uh, you know, for the longest time I've been Barry Sanderson in uh, Australia. That's my pseudonym. That's my Aussie name. But now I have a Scandinavian twist to it. I just uh, noticed that my accreditation card for uh, covering domestic cricket in Australia has me as Bharat Sundarensen. So I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Well, you know, to be yeah. fair, your your last name can be quite confusing for those that don't see it often. So they must have said, oh, there has to be another N in here. <laughs> True. But it's been an interesting week. Like, you know, not only do I have a Scandinavian twist to my name. Uh, I was also mistaken for being uh, a Latin American at a Mexican restaurant where oh. uh, we had a lovely meal. But uh, as we were leaving, uh, I still had the mask on as well. So maybe that uh, that could have added to it. my Latino look. Uh, the the lady who owns the place, she said, "Oh, uh, there's a Colombian food festival coming up soon. There's that cup. There's a couple sitting here." And they went, hola, to me as well. So they said, we, <laughs> so they're going to bring Colombian food, but uh, you need to do something as well. We Latin Americans need to come together in this world. And yeah, I said, uh, fair enough. I, I did not try any Spanish. So, so like, you know, I don't want to give away that I am a fraud Latin American or uh, I'm nothing but Indian. Uh, but, you know, I, I protected my gimmick, as they say. I put, I maintained kayfabe and I just uh, nodded and I said, ah, ah, and See, I you did the ultimate heel move. You didn't correct somebody when you should have. And there you go. I think uh, you're trying to sway our audience that you're going to be the heel turner here. I sent you a, uh, very recently a screenshot of uh, something I said on Twitter, didn't I? I generally never respond to anyone who says anything negative to me on Twitter. I generally just like the button. That's like the most ultimate crybaby face thing to do. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Why don't they have crybaby faces? Like, you know, baby faces who are just so, um, how do I put it? So vanilla, right? Like that uh, they do nothing wrong. They, they should There should be a new... Um, New segment added to uh, you know these gimmicks or I don't know uh, these characteristics of uh, the wrestlers. Uh, when you have the baby faces, the chicken shit heels, the cry baby face. What, what do you think, Rajiv? Do you think the, we should have some of those? I think Baron Corbin was trying, but people hated him so much that they loved seeing him going through it and crying pretty much every episode of SmackDown. So mm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. He, I think he tried and it didn't work. So yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and before we before we get on with our show, Rajiv, it's just a pity that uh, this isn't a video show. And you know why I'm saying that? I, I'm just looking at myself, and I'm quite I'm quite not just encouraged, but I'm very very uh, uh, I, I can't stop admiring my arms. Basically, I have we have our very own that. big Papa Pump on the show. But yeah, it's exactly. The and... I know my pythons are showing. I mean pythons. Yeah, let's. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Before you switch this podcast off, no, no. I mean my biceps. I'm just trying to do a Hulk Hogan. And, you know, if we could have listeners who don't know anything about wrestling and they might get ideas. But no, this is not that kind of show. Uh, 
just like the dhoni touch is not cricket erotica the number of times i've had to say that as well <laughs> uh, but yes here we are uh, another week of uh, chop on yeah episode uh, 17 can you believe it wow man it was when we started i think it was not even uh, we were still uh, i think at the start of winter here in adelaide and today as i look outside it's a wonderful spring afternoon spring has sprung like isha likes to say it is the first day of spring and uh, yeah people used to like write songs about first day of spring yeah the first days of spring and here we are chopping on uh what 17 weeks straight okay i mean we did have a couple of weeks where we missed out on but that's all right with 17 weeks and getting stronger by the week so let's get on with the show rajiv i'm very excited as always Yes, and speaking of missing weeks, we will be missing next week as I am taking what I believe is a much deserved vacation. So, I will be the heel next week in that we will not have a show because of me. So, I have to keep that alive that maybe it's me turning heel and not you. So, there is also But that. Without giving much away, the reason for you taking a break uh makes you anything but a he i mean you're about to do the most baby face thing ever so we're not going to go dwell in dwell on it too much maybe we will later on we will tease it but no i think it's not just a well deserved break but a well deserved uh, um uh, what do i put it uh, uh yeah not just a well deserved vacation but a well deserved break from you know your busy life you've been uh, uh, they've been uh, squeezing you uh, dry i hear at work oh yeah Oh yeah, it's been uh it's been quite crazy and uh my boss is currently on her vacation so because I have been there relatively long in comparison to the other supervisor I'm getting a lot of the questions and all of that craziness and I'm trying to finish everything before I go on vacation so that's also adding on to it so yeah it is a a drained rajiv over here on this side of the world <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'll take a drain, Rajiv, over anyone else any day, Rajiv. So, yeah, what what are we doing first? Are we rotating the strike? Uh, I see no, we a- are changing it up this week. We are oh. going to start with fact or fiction. I'm going to present a topic, and then Bharat and I will go back and forth saying whether we think it's fact or fiction, and make arguments as to why that is. So here is the first topic. The hundred took out any air that was left in county cricket this year for the fans. But it is that fact or is it fiction? Um, it's 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 fiction, but not by much. <laughs> I'll say tell you that much. I think there's been a big test for the ECB, which is the England and Wales Cricket Board, uh, this summer uh, with the introduction of the hundred. Uh, like we've discussed ad nauseum now, uh, it's uh, uh, was supposed to happen last year, but the pandemic. postponed all plans uh, of have uh, you know in starting the 100 in 2020 so the 100 has started which automatically means that they just have so much more on their hands they already had three formats which is the county championship which has been going on for the last 160 years they had the royal london cup which is a 50 over tournament uh, you know which uh, again has been going on for a long time and then they have the t20 blast which is their t20 tournament and which again we, you can go back to the archives and uh, hear me talk about uh, go over the ropes about how t20 cricket started it was the original t20 league started uh, what 17 years ago or 18 years ago uh, and now in addition to it you have the 100 which is not only the newest kid on the block but that's the kid on the block that 
everybody in the ECB wants to talk about because you know uh, it, the broadcast deal that they signed a couple of years was based on introducing this new format the 100 uh, and we spoke last week about how it was a, it, it's been a hard sell from them they've really promoted um uh, the 100 as being this new uh, this thing that's going to change cricket forever and they had they had to do that because of the money involved in it and uh, just just the whole promotion around it you know leading into uh, this summer uh, which means that uh, we saw the royal london cup take the take a back seat because that kind of clashed with the 100 so uh, not only uh, did you have a lot of key players missing out from the county teams who play in the royal london cup uh, but also uh, there were matches happening simultaneously with the 100 so you know you're pushing the 100 but you're also hosting that tournament so it is only the real die hard who are watching even aware that the royal london cup was on and then right after the 100 you go jump back to the t20 blast uh, quarter finals uh, and the t20 blast had been halted uh, before the 100 started so it's already very confusing for someone who knows cricket and you know understands english cricket uh but uh, you can imagine how for our listeners who have no idea about cricket they're just going uh well we'll wait for uh, rajiv to talk uh, start talking about wrestling already because this is going nowhere but it is that complicated it is that complicated and as a result now that the county championships uh, uh have resumed uh, they all take a pause like it, it's weird in england and australia that uh, a tournament starts Uh, and these are the original competitions uh, in both countries the sheffield shield in australia uh, which is a long format game with a red ball and the county championships in england like i said it's been going on for 160 years uh, again the red ball tournament long format uh, but they pause and they let all these other white ball formats uh, start and finish and then they go back to it so uh, already you 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 know uh, you breaking that momentum or the rhythm of that of a competition and i don't think there's any other competition in the world which does that uh, you know or uh, uh, does that in that form where you give it a pause and then you resume it a couple of months later uh, and uh, you know as a result the interest i wouldn't say is waning but it's difficult for you to then kick start um your um, uh, how do i put your connection with the county championship uh, because half the time you don't even remember who's on top who's not on top and that happens in the sheffield shield rajiv in australia with six teams you're talking 18 teams in england so unless again you're a die hard fan of your particular county whether it's worcestershire or warwickshire or somerset or surrey it is very difficult to keep on top of it i have heard even some journalists struggle with it uh and then in the midst of all this there's a heavy busy international calendar as well england have been playing throughout they played against new zealand two test matches then one day stuff against pakistan and someone else as well right i don't remember there's so much cricket that happens and now you have the high profile india series happening as well so it also means that often uh, uh and it comes to selection you you don't have anyone in form because there is no one playing that format so it's a challenge that australia faces as well with the big bash so uh, i i would say it's still fiction that it takes a completely away from the takes the air out of the county championship but it does make it very difficult to follow uh, you know and uh, it's not easy for them to push it as much as they push the 100 because there are many matches happening simultaneously as well 
Well, I'm going to go with a fact for pretty much every reason you just listed. I mean, I, I, how yeah. how confusing. And like you said, you and I both are in cricket. We love cricket. So it's like if we love it and we're confused by it, how can we expect even the casual fan to just jump into it and enjoy it as much? So I think the 100 is a lot like Roman Reigns' initial run. It was pushed so hard down everybody's throat that they were like, no, like take this off of my screen. We just want regular cricket. And besides, the 100 isn't any different than T20s really other than a few rules. Like Roman Reigns, how different was he compared to anybody else? Like he was being compared to John Cena. So if you're just going to push somebody like you pushed The Rock in 1996 and you're going to make him look like John Cena, that's not going to do anything for anybody so the fact that county cricket is like you said starts pauses the hundred happens it gets shoved down your throat and then you pick it back up again and you don't remember who's on top and you don't remember who's on the bottom and you don't remember who's on the teams and then oh that's right he's not on this team because he's over here playing and then this guy is here now because he was over there playing before. It's like all of the air that you had when you sat down to watch it is gone. And the 100, I feel like because of how hard it was shoved down the fan's throat, that took a lot of the air out of just cricket in general over in England. And I think that's something that the ECB needs to look at because, okay, the 100's happened now. Are you going to season two push it just as hard because of how much money is involved? Or are you going to take it easy because everybody understands, okay, like, yes, this happens. Now let's just play it out and let have the tribal chief take his throne whenever he can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, in hindsight, I think I got that wrong. I think it is a fact. Uh, and look, it also tells you a lot about Eng England cricket's priorities right now. It's just all muddled. They don't know what really matters to them. And as a result, yes, they have leveled the test series uh, in um, against India with two test matches to go. But you can still see that, that uh, yeah, the, you, just uh, they, uh, they're still picking players based on hope. David Milan was picked. Uh, yes, he did play uh, some county cricket, but he was still picked on white ball form. So it's just... Uh, Shows you where England cricket is right now, even though, like I said, they have managed to claw their way back into that series against India. AEW Dark being taped at Universal Studios is smart. Is that fact or fiction? And I think it's smart. I mean, AEW Dark is a YouTube show. I don't think a lot of people really watch it anymore. Uh, it sounds to me like Elevation is taking the spot that Dark was in when they do the tapings for Dino or do Dynamite. They tape Elevation before dynamite happens so elevation is going to be about 45 minutes to an hour now and with dark being at universal studios that show can be as long as they want it to be and i think the fact that it's going to be at universal studios gives it a home base and the show is going to have its own unique look as opposed to elevation and dynamite are going to look one way and rampage kind of looks like dynamite as well with a few tweaks here and there. So dark being at universal studios is very smart because they can do pretty much whatever they want with it. It's not on a network. They can set up the stage however they want because it's at a studio. They can leave it there and then just come back to it to bring guys in and get some work and to me, it's just a really smart move on AEW and Tony Khan's part. Another smart move by Tony Khan. Uh, and it's interesting when you look at the history of uh, the Universal Studios. Uh, uh, like you said, touched upon, it was used by the by WC, WCW a lot in the 90s, mid-90s especially. They used to use it to uh, 
for what Saturday night and mm-hmm. uh, main event and those kind of uh, tertiary shows. I mean, Saturday night was at once upon a time their um, uh, major show, the main show. But then, of course, with time, Nitro and then Thunder took over uh, the top spots in that category. Uh, and later on, TNA, uh, you know, spent a lot of time in the Universal Studios creating Impact Zone. Uh, and it, and it's funny, right? With uh, TNA after a point. Uh, the Universal Studios started getting a lot of negativity, not because of uh, the venue itself, but about how TNA, and we've heard Eric Bischoff talk about this a lot, uh, how they were just reluctant to leave the impact zone uh, and to make TNA a more national product uh, where, you know, you take wrestlers on the road, which is the beauty of wrestling, uh, pro wrestling as a as an industry where, uh, you know, you can see the people that you admire and you really look up to on TV in the flesh. Um, and that's another thing which AEW and of course and TNA got criticized for that and then they started traveling and then they lost a lot of money and then now they're just impact <laughs> but anyway but yeah and uh, hey before we move on from Eric Bischoff I was just doing some research and I also found out Rajiv that uh, uh, I'm sure we've heard about this on Conrad's show on, on 83 weeks that uh, Eric Bischoff had uh, uh, you know flirted with starting uh, his own promotion called Micro wrestling, I think it was for oh, yeah, the, yeah. the which was, uh, yeah, and guess where the base for that was supposed to be Universal Studios again. Mm. So, uh, there you go, a little history lesson as well. Uh, I don't think Eric will appreciate this history lesson, but uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, that's where it was supposed to happen. Uh, and and now, uh, coming to AEW, I think it's again smart uh, on their part, not just to you know use it to. Uh, record a few shows and keep it in the in the bank uh, but like we just mentioned the beauty of pro wrestling is getting to see them in the flesh uh, and they are going to keep it open for uh, the studio recordings open for fans so as a casual fan I could just walk in and I'm sure they, they won't be ticketed events uh, and I could you know get to see a, a wrestler that I haven't heard too much about him or her and kind of, you know, get interested in that wrestler and kind of want to know where he or she is going next. And it's also uh, great for a young wrestler, you know, to perform in front of a crowd. And it's a, it's a more, um, uh, how do I put it? It's a more concise setting. So, you know, the we've heard Eric talk about how the, uh, the audio quality of the sound can uh, be quite... Uh, quite something like if you work around work with it uh, well enough and we could see that happen as well uh, you know and it's good for good for uh, wrestlers and wrestling uh, and it, it, now with rampage coming on board and i was reading this interview from uh, tony khan uh, you know about uh, he does give a lot of interviews i must say <laughs> which yes, is, he uh, does <laughs> he does he gives an in like oh we should have him on our show which kind of uh, comes brings me to the point hey we can ask him about cricket i mean his father did come from uh, lahore i think or karachi and he was a big cricket fan i've, I've read about his father uh, uh, in the past and he came to america as a cricket fan so maybe that's uh you know uh, uh tony has some of it uh, look he, he's the closest i think we can we can we'll have to hope for cricket and wrestling to actually come together i mean a shahid afridi in a wrestling ring may happen i don't think it'll happen shahid afridi has been in the news for all the wrong reasons in the couple of days uh, the last couple of days but uh yeah that'll be great for tony khan to be on here but no i was just reading an interview of his uh on one of the many uh, uh, wrestling websites uh, these days. On that note, Rajiv, like, uh, you know, uh, 
I do digress as always. Uh, do you think I should uh, start writing on uh, wrestling? There's just so many of. Uh, yeah, why not? And I'm sure yeah. somebody will pick it up. Just give them your resume yeah. and tell them that Crick Buzz is the number one cricket. It is <laughs> site in the world. So there you go. Yeah, it is. And uh, no, but uh, uh, you know, I could start with interviewing somebody uh, for someone. And Tony Khan seems to be the easiest option since he uh, does love being interviewed, which is good. I mean, he's at that stage of his uh, career and uh, his promotion is at that stage as well, where more people hear about it, the better. Right. And uh, so he, he, I think he spoke about how it's going to be. Uh, he's going to change the whole setup of all these shows. Even Elevation is going to be shorter. Dark's going to be shorter. Now that they do have Rampage and those two are YouTube shows. Um, I, I, th- I think it's just like, yeah, like you said, it's a fact for sure. Uh, but there are multiple benefits to them shooting at Universal Studios and just not, uh, you know, now that they have Dynamite and Rampage, which they're going to take on the road anyway. I think this is just smart. Other than their respective countries, nobody will watch South Africa's tour of Sri Lanka. Brother, is that fact or is it fiction? That's a very, very harsh statement. It's fiction because I'll tell you more people in India watch, uh, or like, you know, people in India watch more cricket than anyone else anywhere, right? And if it's on TV and like all cricket is on TV, like I'll tell you this, when I moved to Australia, I thought such a sporting nation will have, I'll get to watch sport from all over the world. It's kind of true, except that you don't get to watch as much cricket as you think you would. Like, there are a lot of series that we don't get here. Uh, I think South Africa, Sri Lanka might well be one of them. But uh, there will be a lot of people watching it just because in, there, are, uh, there are a bunch of Indians who are just so obsessed with the sport. I definitely am not one of them. I just get paid to ride on it. I love cricket, but it's not to that extent that I'm going to sit and watch everything. I just don't have that much time in the in the day. But uh, it will be watched a lot. Uh uh, will it, unless something dramatic happens in that series, though, I don't see uh, too many people talking about it. But, uh, you know, uh, last time those two teams faced each other was in a test series in South Africa two years ago, where Kusal Pereira just played one of the greatest innings of all time, which was then superseded by Ben Stokes and stop, people stopped talking about Kusal Pereira. Uh, they do, they can, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure this is just a limited over series or tour that South Africa is making uh, of Sri Lanka. And more than anything, this with South African cricket, Rajiv, I don't think we have spoken enough about this. There's just so much happening behind the scenes with, uh, you know, uh, they have their social uh, uh, justice uh, investigations and, uh, going on where Mark Boucher, the current coach has come out and spoken about um, how he was part of that senior setup who, uh, uh, where there was a, like, you know, a racial discrimination within the dressing room. And he was one of the senior players against the likes of Paul Adams. And they used to call Paul Adams brown shit and all that terrible things that uh, he's acknowledged and he's uh, uh, admitted to, to have happened. But uh, there is a lot happening with South African cricket. And when is there not things happening in Sri Lankan cricket behind the scenes as well? So, uh, yeah, I mean, as much as the series, even if the series doesn't uh, generate a level of interest you'd expect on the field, there will be off-field news for sure. I'm going to go fiction. And I think the reason I think nobody's really going to watch it, uh, yes, you are right. It is limited overs. There's three ODIs and three T20s. But 
I don't think anybody's going to watch it because we we talked about this many times in our archives. There's so much cricket happening right now. And South Africa and Sri Lanka are both in this rebuild phase where right now they're having a really hard time finding their core 11 on any format, really. So it's going to be hard to gain interest when I pretty much everybody knows that they're both in the middle of this rebuild phase, as well as it's going on during the India tour of England. The CPL has started and that's going on full force. And a lot of people are watching that. So I think you're going to get your fill of cricket. I mean, and then, like you said, the T20 blast is going on. So people are going to have their fill of cricket. And are they really going to want to watch two teams that are, technically b grade right now if if i'm being honest or c grade might be more appropriate but uh i just think that i feel for them because there was one point south africa was one of the major players and sri lanka too wasn't wasn't too far behind being a major player so it's it's sad to see that they're at this state right now of really really trying to find that core 11 but until they have people like uh, and A.B. De Villiers, who I know that's going to be hard to find because that's a once-in-a-lifetime talent there. But even people like Faf Duplessis and, and uh, you know, just anybody on a South African team, I don't see many other countries outside of it being interested in him. Yeah, well, it's tough to, tough to argue that. I mean, look, we are heading into a T20 World Cup in a couple of months and Sri Lanka is not even in the top eight. They have to play the qualifiers to get in. And South Africa are in a group with, um, you know, West Indies, Australia and England, which is a very tough group That's to get tough. out of. So, not many are giving them a chance. So, yeah, from a very cricketing, uh, from a cricketing standpoint, yeah, it's not going to generate too much excitement. That much I do agree with. But the, the thing is, Rajiv, there are just so many people in India who will just watch any game of cricket. <laughs> I don't be surprised if a lot of them are tuning in and watching the minor league stuff in the US. Do not be surprised. I I know. And, and, and hey, it's not just uh, the average, uh, you know, punter who's just uh, watching cricket. Our Ashwin watches stuff like the European League and, uh, you know, hey, these days even there's, I think, the Women's T20 European Championship going on and France and Germany have been playing each other uh, and other European nations as well. And that's creating a lot of interest on social media. I think that's one thing social media has done. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I am with you, but that's still very... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's very much on the surface when you see things like that on social media. Brock Lesnar and his character will not be different in this run. Is that fact or fiction? I'm going to say that's fiction. And here's why. He doesn't have Paul Heyman at his side. Paul Heyman is in the middle of Brock and Roman Reigns. And I think that that is going to create a tweak in Brock Lesnar's character. Does that mean the tweak is going to be huge and he's going to suddenly be a vulnerable giant or brute? No, probably not. He's probably still going to throw people around the ring. But it will be a subtle enough tweak there where, one, he has to talk for himself if Paul Heyman's not by his side. Two, I think that this match with Roman Reigns, whenever it happens, will make Brock a little bit more vulnerable because Paul won't be at his side. And I just think that Roman is going with the character that Roman has right now. He's going to use Paul Heyman to get to Brock Lesnar psych- psychologically. And if yeah. he does that, 
then I think we see at least for one match, a different Brock Lesnar and who knows? I mean, going forward, maybe if Roman rocks him enough, this is going to be a down a downward spiral for the Brock Lesnar character. I think it would be quite interesting to see. I'm actually going to disagree and say fact because for something to different to happen with Brock Lesnar, you're talking about something as dramatic as Hulk Hogan turning heel in 1996. It might not create the kind of stir the formation of the NWO did, but, but NW, which stands for New World Organization, as Hulk Hogan said <laughs> in that <laughs> promo. I've always wondered, people pick on Kevin Nash for, um, you know, saying, uh, uh, what, what, did he get it, get the adjective wrong? Yeah, I mean, he should have said verb, but he said adject, adjective wrong. And people jump on Bobby Heenan for jumping the gun on the Hogan heel turn. But pe- I think people don't uh, give Hogan enough grief for saying New World Organization a couple of times in that <laughs> great promo of his, like, you know, after he turns heel. He does get it right once, New World Order, but then he slips into New World Organization. But anyway... Uh, it'll take something as dramatic as that uh, because we've seen with Brock Lesnar and he does have some creative control um, on his character. Uh, you know, even if it's not, uh, you know, official or even if it doesn't get spoken about as much as maybe w- what used to be the case with the Hulk Hogan, WCW uh, or TNA. I think he does have some level of creative control and uh, he's never been a great promo. But having said that, he is a very talented individual. So maybe we've never really seen the best of Brock Lesnar on the mic because he's never really gotten that opportunity. Paul Heyman was by his side back in the early to mid-2000s when Brock Lesnar, the young Brock Lesnar was at its peak or at his peak. And ever since he's uh, made his sporadic comebacks, Paul Heyman has always been by his side. So maybe this is what he needed. My fear, though, is that WWE might put uh, someone else as a Brock Lesnar manager, and then it becomes a verbal, uh, you know, though, I mean, with Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman does not need to do Paul Heyman things all the time because Roman Reigns has become just so good on the mic since he stopped being scripted um, yeah, and uh, or fully scripted, I must say. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I think th- I have a my gut says that they might go down that road just to see Brock Lesnar by himself. I I'm not I just can't picture it. Maybe it'll happen. And uh, he look, he's already changed his look, which hasn't happened in years now, right? Brock Lesnar's looked the same pretty much throughout his career. Now with his hair and the beard, and we didn't see him on SmackDown last week, so we don't even know what's going to happen, uh, uh, what's happening there. So we'll have to wait. Now Finn Balor is back in the title uh, scene uh, by the looks of it. He seems to be the stopgap. Like, he seems to be what Dinesh Karthik was to the Indian team for a long time. <laughs> thing, you know. Every time, uh, you know, you're pushing someone else, but you need a stopgap, you go to him. So, that seems to be Finn Balor, unfortunately. But uh, uh, I would love for Brock Lesnar to have a... Uh, I, I heard Eric on 83 Weeks talk about uh, have a more well-rounded character where he does sell and... He does show uh, some fragility to his, uh, you know, to this indomitable uh, personality that he brings to his wrestling. If that happens, that's great. But will the will the audience buy that? Like, you know, after you've seen Brock Lesnar be this beast who just runs through anything that is put in his way, will the audience buy him showing some vulnerability? I'm not so sure. We'll have to wait and watch. That'll be the big challenge. But... I think it's fascinating uh, to see where Brock Lesnar is going. I mean, you, like I said, just the fact that we are disagreeing right now, I believe there will be no difference. You think there might be. 
tells you that there is some anticipation to uh, what next for Brock Lesnar. Uh, we just know that he's not next, so it's not going to be a Goldberg Brock Lesnar thing again. Thankfully, <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, but you know, it'll be good now that Roman Reigns is at the top of his game. There's the Paul Heyman angle as well. Uh, I don't see Roman Reigns turning face anytime soon. So uh, it, it will be fascinating to see. But I have a strong, I have a gut feeling, not a strong feeling, that they might put some other mouthpiece with him, which should not happen technically. The one thing we can both agree on is, thank goodness, it's not another Brock Lesnar and Goldberg match. I think we've oh. seen as much as we need to see from those two. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. I think uh, I personally have... I've the less Goldberg we see, the better. I'm a little. I wasn't a big fan of his even in WCW. I have to admit. I don't know. I never got the character after, you know, after the whole. Yeah, I don't know. He was just. He didn't. He, he didn't do it for me. Like you know what I mean. Like he, except the intensity. I, I didn't think he had anything going for him. I What's know interesting what is I, I loved Goldberg when he was in WCW, yeah. but here's something that I found really, really interesting is I remember when they released the Goldberg DVD where it had all his, well, not all of his matches, but a yeah. good, a good chunk of his matches. And <laughs> so when you see Goldberg, like, in spurts so one week you see him and then you don't see him until the next week and then you don't see him until the next week that's great it's awesome to see him just tear through people but when you're sitting there watching his matches over and over and over and over again you get bored because they're almost pretty much the same thing so i think i got maybe 30 minutes into the dvd and said what have i done why did i buy this i was so excited (laughs) and it it isn't that good because everything is almost the same Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not surprised that Stone Cold Steve Austin used to get upset when compare when Goldberg was compared to him. Like Stone Cold could, like you know, Steve Austin is multi-talented. He could speak, he could properly grapple, he could wrestle. Uh, you know, he could uh, be the face, he could be the heel, he could do everything. I mean, yeah. it's very except like they had they were bald and they had a a beard like which um, kind of is similar but i don't think there's anything else between similar between those two i think uh, yeah i mean if goldberg had come into the wwe in 94 95 he would have been the same as a mabel or a or a giant gonzalez in terms of like you know just his push it would have lasted for a few weeks and then so yeah i mean eric bischoff and team did do a great job with him in wcw but um, yeah, I don't know. Like, look, technically, if you look at his history from, okay, keep kayfabe aside. Uh, he was like, you know, after everyone had failed, he was positioned as the man to stand up to the NWO. But except defeating Hulk Hogan, I don't think he really <laughs> did much to the NWO at no. all. Like, it was against Sting and those guys who had to come in. And yeah, so the NWO just imploded. Like, it was like Goldberg was given this weapon to bring them down, but he just like walked up to them and did not know what to do. Right. And he just watched <laughs> them just implode. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, so but I don't know how we got into this Goldberg rabbit hole, but there you go. But Brock Lesnar, yeah, it is exciting to see him back. Definitely exciting. And what's also exciting is it's terms and conditions with Bharat Sundaresan. So Bharat, I had an interesting question this week where someone had watched a clip, uh, watched some highlights and didn't understand why somebody was out when the ball didn't hit the stumps and they didn't hit it themselves. And I said, oh, well, that that's a leg by wicket, a leg before wicket. So, and then they said, oh, well, how come when he... He didn't hit the ball, it hit his pad, 
and then he went running, but I don't see any runs added to his score. And I was like, oh, well, that's called a buy or a leg buy. And then they said, oh, well, what's a leg buy? And I said, well, I think Buddeth needs to tell us what is a buy, and then maybe he can tell us what a leg buy is in, in con- conjunction with that. They, I mean, they are they are a tag team, buys and leg buys. They get spoken about in the same breath. Uh, yeah. Hey, but also before I start talking about it, see, this is what wrestling promotion or wrestling shows need. Just change your format up like Rajiv has here with Chop On. Like, you know, we stuck to rotate the strike and then we would jump to fact or fiction. And then we, we had that going. But look, just 17 weeks in, you've just uh, rolled it uh, all around. And it's, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect. I'm like <laughs> Jim Ross in the commentary booth. I did not know. I know I knew the format, but I didn't know what to what is coming next. So there you go. Uh, you know, so... Uh, I always pimp you out uh, to add free shows, but I'm also <laughs> going to pimp you out to all every wrestling promotion out there. If you want someone to, you know, help you fix your format, you you know, Rajiv's oh, the man. Thank you. You're too kind, brother. You're too kind. See, look now, well, now, now you're confusing the listeners. Well, Are you that's... a baby face? That was the ultimate baby face promo. <laughs> it was sad. <laughs> yeah, but. That's the whole point, uh, anticipation. Yeah, I said it'll take 83 weeks to find out <laughs> what's going to happen. So <laughs> we hope that they stick with us for another 67. Wait, 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 let me get my math right. 66 weeks. Yeah, it's a long time. Wow, 66 weeks. Yeah. Hey, in 66 weeks, I'll be in the US, of course. It'll yes. be 2023. Yes. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, fantasies aside, I mean, because it does feel like a fantasy now, but it is happening, Rajiv. I am going to be yes. there in 2023. Yes. Um, so uh, the buy and the leg buy. Okay. So uh, as you know, you can score, uh, runs in cricket off your bat, of course. And then there are extras, like there are runs you can score of your extras. So there's, uh, there are wides and no balls, which are basically, uh, unforced errors from the bowler, right? A no ball, we will get into it in detail. It's basically when you bowl an illeg- illegal delivery because of your uh, foot fault or, um, other illegalities that exist in cricket when it comes to bowling. A wide is a ball basically bowled so wide of uh, or far away from a batsman or a batter where they cannot play a normal shot from their standing position. So it's called a wide. So it cannot hit the bat, of course. If it hits the bat, you're out or whatever. It doesn't count. So those are the two more common extras in the game. Then there are leg buys and buys. So leg buys are basically if the ball hits any part of your body, not just your legs, any part of your body except the bat or the hands holding the bat uh, and uh, you're not out and like, you know, and you're not in front of the wicket. So the umpire is not uh, judging you out LBW leg before wicket uh, because like, you know, uh, you were right in, in front of the stumps. Then you are legally allowed to take a run. You know, you can still be run out, but you can still take a run. And when you do that, that also goes down as an extra, but the, but it doesn't get credited to you, nor does it get debited to the bowler or credited to the bowler. So, um, for example, if I'm bowling to you and the ball hits your massive hip <laughs> and just like <laughs> rolls away and you complete a single. So the team score, you know, let's call it Rajiv 11 goes to one, one for no loss. But you are on zero, and uh, my figures will not will say zero runs conceded as well. So that's an extra uh, where it goes to the team's tally. 
So that's a leg buy. I mean, uh, if you want even more details on leg buy, you can technically also be given a leg buy if, uh, okay, so the time you don't uh, get a leg buy is if you're not playing a shot, if you're not attempting a shot, you're just uh, shouldering arms or you're not attempting to play the ball with your bat and then it hits your body, then it you cannot run. So that, uh, yeah, the umpire will signal no run or dead ball, which means you cannot run off a ball where you're not trying to play a ball and it hits your body. And so if you are in the, in the attempt of playing a shot, if you miss it and it hits any part of your body or your leg, then it's a leg bar. The only time you will get a leg by without playing a shot is if you're fending and you're trying to avoid physical injury. For example, someone's ball a short, short ball and it's bounced and it's heading towards your head and you're just trying to uh, you know, protect yourself and it hits some part of your body, you can still be given awarded a leg by. A buy is much simpler. A buy is basically if the ball has touched nothing, right? Uh, I mean, it hasn't touched your bat or your body or your stump. <laughs> and oh, uh, it can hit your stump and if say if it doesn't dislodge the veil. So cricket is very complicated. I was at an umpiring seminar two nights back and we, they were talking about bold Rajiv, like, you know, one form of dismissal we have spoken about. And it was fascinating. There are so many ways the stump can be brought down that we don't think about and it still counts as out. I mean, uh, it was, I was like, wow, yeah, there's some things that I have to watch out for every time that a game happens. But uh, that's the whole thing with laws, right? I mean, any law, really. Uh, there's the law. And then there's also how you understand uh, the law, right? It changes based on each situation. But coming back to the buy, the buy is very simple. It's when the ball hasn't touched any part of the batsman or his bat. Um, and uh, it's somehow beaten the wicketkeeper and you've completed a run, right? And, and it's most occasions, the wicketkeeper still will stop the ball. But if he doesn't, or he or she doesn't, and the ball goes past him, or her, then you do, you can run and you can complete a buy. So there are still two ways you can get off, get out while taking a buy. One is obviously run out if you don't make your ground in time and the stumps are brought down. The other is called obstructing the field, which is, which we leave for another day. <laughs> it's one of the 10 ways of getting out in cricket. Very, very uh, uncommon, but it can happen. It does start happening a lot more in cricket these days, but those are only two ways you can get out. So that's basically a buy and a leg buy. And how does the umpire signal a buy? With a buy, he just raises one arm, not two arms, and not one finger. One finger is out if you just raise one finger, the index finger. It has to be the index finger. No umpire can give you out by flashing the bird. I'm just <laughs> The law book says that it has to be the index finger or the pinky. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, cricket is a very... Uh, yeah, puritanical sport. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And how you signal a leg by is you lift one leg and you just kind of tap your thigh. Yeah. Not very suggestively, but just, yeah. As, <laughs> yeah, not like Shikhar Dhawan. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, not like Shikhar Dhawan. And you'd, some umpires do like to rub their thigh, which is technically not how you do it, but maybe they just like it that way. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, yeah, that's uh, that's what a buy and a leg by is. Wow. Well done, brother. Well done. And, you know, in wrestling, especially in Japan, they have this particular style. It's called strong style. So what is strong style wrestling? Well, you did send me deep into a rabbit hole with this question. Uh, <laughs> or this, <Yes. laughs> As you well know. And it took me back to the history of... Uh, so, all right. Strong style wrestling comes from Japan. So let's like 
I let me just state that from in, in the beginning. Uh, and I think in Japan it's called puro resu, which is uh, basically uh, uh, basically brings together MMA and pro wrestling. That's what martial arts and pro wrestling together. It's called puro resu, which is called what is referred to as strong style. But as I started researching it, it took me way back into the 1800s, 1880s, when pro wrestling tried to make its first run in Japan, uh, but failed miserably. And then sumo wrestling took over. And it wasn't uh, till the 1950s when uh, pro wrestling, thanks to, uh, I think, a name that we've heard a lot on recently, which uh, especially when uh, I think they had uh, the show... Uh, Collision in Korea on uh, Dark Side of the Ring. They spoke about Ricky Dozan. And I think Jim Ross and Eric Bischoff have spoken about him uh, subsequently on their respective podcasts. So Ricky Dozan was a man from North Korea who kind of reintroduced pro wrestling into Japan in the 1950s. It became big. Then he got killed. And then, uh, of course, uh, the Inoki and uh, uh, Baba. Oh, I shouldn't get the names wrong. There was, of course, Inoki, but there was also... uh, he used to go by Giant Baba, but I think he had a... Giant Baba sounds like a Haryanavi wrestler. But <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't... Every time they've said Baba Baba on their show, I've always <laughs> pictured like someone from Haryana, but uh, in India. So, uh, no, so I think uh, uh, it was then shared uh, between New Japan Pro Wrestling, which was uh, started by... I mean, it was started by Ricky Dozan, but it then was take, taken over by his student, um, Inoki. Uh, and then, wait, I think I have the name here. Yes, there you go. Shohai Giant Baba. That was his name. Uh, so Antonio Inoki with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and uh, Baba used to run All Japan Pro Wrestling. So, and during that time, they also used to, because there's a lot of martial arts in Japan, they started mixing the styles. And strong style, uh, at least the American understanding of strong style was because a lot of these wrestlers used to go to Japan. A lot of American wrestlers, like all the big names, Ric Flair to Hulk Hogan, all of them have gone to Japan and made a name for themselves. They always would come back and say that they were stiffer. So the punches looked more real because they were a lot more real. Uh, open fisted slaps were allowed, which aren't allowed technically in pro wrestling in America uh, or in Canada. Uh, and the kicks were uh, more real. Right, you know, they actually connected with you. <laughs> so, um, so uh, you know, that's why that's why they used to call it stiff. So the punches, the kicks, and the whole wrestling style was more real than uh, what it was in um, in in America. So it was still about protecting your opponent, which is the foundation line of pro wrestling. But it was you would still feel it, is uh, what you know those guys would say. Uh, and it just came to be known as strong style from Japan. But it's intriguing that I read an interview from Shinsuke Nakamura from two years ago. And he was a champion in um, New Japan Pro Wrestling for 14 years before he moved to America. Uh, and he's still called the uh, king of strong style. And he actually made a very interesting point. He said that a lot of people, like I've just described, think that strong style is just about like, you know, more realism to the punches and the kicks and uh, more real wrestling, like a lot more martial arts than just, you know, pro wrestling, like a lot of grappling. But he, he, in his opinion, strong style meant showing more emotion with what you do. He said it's a form of expression. You know, when I throw a kick, you can feel the emotion of the kick. And uh, you can feel me expressing that emotion through that kick. And I found that fascinating. Maybe he was just trying to sound cool, but 
if you think about it that makes a lot of sense you know uh, so uh, because they're still not trying to hurt you right and in the real sense of the word but they're still trying to make it real it's coming from within and you know we've heard so often in wrestling uh, from a lot of these greats that we listen to on a weekly basis from jim ross and tony shivani and eric bischoff and jeff jarrett and bruce pritchard and everyone in between kurt angle um on anderson um so that uh, you know when a wrestler plays himself or herself in the ring it just feels a lot more real than when they're trying to play wrestler and it's the same with what um, you know that's what i that's what i gather from what nakamura said a couple of years ago uh, as it being an expression so but anyway strong style comes from japan started in the 1880s but uh, you know was uh, processed in the 1950s by ricky dozan and then mastered by antonio inoki and uh, giant baba the haryanvi japanese wrestler <laughs> in the 1960s uh, and then mastered uh, by them and then of course carried forward by the likes of shinsuke nakamura and so many others kaz hayashi and those guys uh, who still continue to do it And now it is time to rotate the strike. I will present topics and we will go back and forth discussing these and here is our first topic. Brian Danielson, by the way, this is a spoiler for anybody. So if you want to skip ahead maybe 5 10 minutes, then go for it. Here we go. Brian Danielson will reportedly make his AEW debut at the upcoming pay-per-view All Out. Brian has recently been rumored to make his debut at the September 22nd Grand Slam edition of Dynamite at Arthur Ashe Stadium, but according to Cassidy Haynes of Body Slam, it will be All Out instead. The decision to push Brian's debut forward was reportedly made after internal concern over the continued growth in the spike of COVID-19 cases across the country. This past week on Dynamite, CM Punk seemingly confirmed the rumor that Brian is coming to AEW when fans broke out into a yes chant and Punk said in response, that's someone else's shtick and you might just need to be a little more patient and the crowd went wild. Brother, what are your thoughts first on CM Punk basically confirming that Brian's coming and if the rumor and innuendo are true, do you think it is smart of them to push forward this debut? Um I think uh, I'll, I'll get to the second question first Raju I think why not why wait now that it's uh, uh look there's two ways of building anticipation right uh anticipation along with surprise and anticipation just for the sake of anticipation I mean it was and you already run that um gauntlet with CM Punk where it was a mix of both the whole thing of yeah i know you're saying CM Punk is coming back but really CM Punk after all these years like really coming back to the ring uh, and and it worked for CM Punk with Daniel Bryan hey he was main eventing WrestleMania a few months ago so he's still very active and Bryan Danielson we'll have to get used to saying uh and it's it's looks like he is definitely coming he is going all elite so so why wait till um, Uh, you know what happens and uh, at uh, for that show and at the Arthur Ashe Stadium which kind of also if i just turn my laptop over they, i am watching tennis at the Arthur Ashe Stadium <laughs> as we speak i just saw the biggest heel do a play a very baby face match uh, uh, an hour ago Novak Djokovic who divides the i mean who he is the uh, roman reigns of uh, tennis world right a lot of people like him but uh, most people hate him for Uh, his political views a lot of things he does off the court as well but he was up against this teenager from denmark who injured himself in the third set and i thought he was he handled himself beautifully novak after that to you know 
he made it easy for the kid to uh, you know not get injured further and then he was good after the match as well but anyway i get distracted but coming back to daniel bryan and i don't know why i spoke about tennis considering he's not debuting at arthur ashe stadium but you know how these things work with me rajiv um and i think yeah why wait uh, just bring it and bring him on uh, tony khan in another interview when asked about it i think said that no i cannot i knew, expect that question to be asked but i won't give anything away exactly what he had said about cm punk as well and with cm punk um, uh, look i maybe i'm sure cm punk is not scripted i don't see anyone scripting him at least this early on in his run at aw and i think he threw a few f bombs as well didn't he like uh, in that pre post show clip with christian cage mm-hmm. uh, it was post show right or i mean i didn't yeah, watch it post show yeah so uh, which makes sense but you know i think cm punk uh, i mean pizza cutter first and now f bomb i don't think would have worked well for tony khan but tony khan did say uh, he's uh, hey and also these guys need to start saying khan better I know it is too Yeah, like Shahrukh Khan says in the movie my name is Khan it's Khan Khan from the epiglottis. Exactly. Does he say that? Yes. Yeah, you need to I mean it's it's Khan, right? I I think I'm going to write to uh, I'm going to send an audio note to uh, Conrad <laughs> and then pass it on to You know I used to do that with uh, like last year when the Indian team was here in Australia and I think it was good of all the commentators they said like can you please send us an audio note of how to pronounce a lot of these names. So I used to send them audio notes. Maybe we should do that because yeah. it's it's Tony Khan. Tony Khan. They keep saying it's Khan. It's like Bharat. It's the B H. <laughs> like you know, and and it's not like okay with Bharat you can say okay we don't hear that name. It's Khan. It's like the most common surname in the world after Muhammad. So I think you should be able to say Khan better. But anyway, I get distracted. So Tony Khan in that interview did has. not given away much but yeah i mean it was pretty obvious with cm punk talking about his being a stick and them having to wait a little longer but yeah there's no point waiting for too long just bring him on it'll be interesting to see what uh you know and in the subsequent weeks we'll definitely talk about what will daniel bryan or brand danielson do in aw um i am thinking of this is me purely i don't think him and cm punk will go head to head initially maybe a few years down the line but he could be the the working champion of sorts right like he could be the guy who works a lot with the upper mid card maybe daniel bryan coming in but you know that that's my only issue uh, rajiv abi and this is the question i'm going to leave you with uh, as i finish my rant about this point is are we just seeing another repeat of the of what wcw did where you brought wwe talent top talent anyway cm punk can say he didn't you can forget about his wwe run but the last time he wrestled was in wwe you can't take that away or uh, you can just you can't just like you know wash that away so is it are they just bringing back uh, bringing in these wwe guys and they they stay on top like you know will you know tony khan has said that he's going to bring in a lot of wrestlers he said that he's been taking pot shots at the wwe saying that we look f- not for independent wrestlers but more at uh, you know sports figures to come in uh, even i was like uh, remember during the olympics i said that oh i kept tweeting about it why not this guy i think this guy should go to wwe a couple of them actually have then said tag wwe and said hey i'm waiting <laughs> so uh, a couple of weightlifters but you know so tony khan has made it pretty pretty clear that he's going to bring in a lot of uh, not just independent wrestlers but a lot of ex wwe people but uh, you still want to have a good mix of 
them uh, of your own people and these WWE stars at the top. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, yes, CM Punk is taking on Darby Allen. He's not taking on a former WWE guy, but still, you're getting that feeling of just that over them being overcrowded with this former WWE talent. That's a concern that we both of you and I have had in the past as well. But that will be interesting. But we can discuss that uh, in the weeks to come. But yeah, I think why wait? Bring him on. Yeah, as far as bringing on WWE talent, I, I'm with you. It's starting to look like WCW and that they're bringing so many on. And in a way, it, that brings me back to Vince McMahon's statement of uh, we'll just keep giving them wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And that makes me think that AEW, if they keep bringing on these WWE guys, are going to start to look like a third, fourth WWE show. And maybe that was Vince McMahon's shot at them was, mm-hmm. hey, you guys are making us look good because you're showing us that, hey, yeah. we, we have good wrestlers. And eventually when they get there, they're going to get loved even more. And then we'll bring them back. I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of a way I'm looking at it. But as far as uh, CM Punk basically confirming the rumor, Tony Schiavone was in the ring with him. And Tony Schiavone did not have any sort of reaction like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. He actually smiled. So that tells me that... It really wasn't that big of a deal that CM Punk said it. Maybe that was one of the things that they had talked about beforehand. Like, uh, yeah, you can you can tease it if they do something, but uh, yeah, yeah it, that looked to me like nothing was wrong. If if something was wrong, then Tony Schiavone would have had a very shocked look mm-hmm. on his face. There's no way he would have smiled and laughed through what he said. And yeah, bring bring him on as soon as possible because COVID nineteen cases are getting much much higher and. It could be a case of we're going to start shutting down again, but obviously we don't know. Uh, That's one of the things about COVID-19. You never know what's going to happen with it. So bring him in when you still have the ability to have fans pop huge for his comeback. And because that because then you run the risk of like a a Brody Lee where he came out and there was no reaction because there was no fans and Matt Hardy, there was no reaction because there was no fans. So yeah, bring him on because Brian Danielson is the type of person that you want to have a big crowd for and what bigger crowd than probably your biggest pay-per-view of the year and all out. And the whole ad free shows family is there as well. So why not? <laughs> I know. I really, really, really wish I could be there, but I hope that anybody that is from ad free shows listening to this has the time of their life with Top Guy Weekend and then, of course, All Out. Hey, and also, look, uh, if you are listening, I'm, I'm sure our ad free family listens to this. Uh, hey, have a drink each on Rajiv uh, and me. Yeah, I mean, you know, think about Miss us. While you're there, uh, you know, more, more Rajiv than me. <laughs> he, I don't know about the, that. He's the superstar. I'm the Marty Jannetty in this tag team anyway. So, <laughs> well, speaking hey, of oh, before, Vince, before Rajiv, oh, okay, I have to, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry for cutting you off. That's very rude. And this is a very random point has no connection to anything, but because I said Marty Jannetty, uh, you know, we've been listening to 1986, Tony Shivani, what happened when, and, you know, um, so Bill Eady, Dennis Condry, and uh, Robert Gibson, they're all like so, like, I don't know, like, I, they're, all, they're all so similar, right? In the yes. sense, <laughs> you know what I mean? They are the Marty Genities of that. Uh, yeah, even though, I mean, Bill Eady might say he was the more dominant one in Demol- Demolition. But, you know, Barry Darso, because you know him as a repo man and as Crusher Khrushchev, and, uh, you know, Rick Mort- Ricky Morton is Ricky Morton, like the more popular of the two. 
and uh, who else is there? And of course, we all know about Bobby Eaton. So those three, like almost can, like you know, you can just mix them up and still, like yeah, not because I, we've never heard much about Bill Eady, have we? No, like I'm not. And even Dennis Conry, they keep touching about. On like you know what he was all about, and Robert Gibson the same. Like nobody talks about these people. So anyway, sorry, just because I brought Marty Janaki. <laughs> no worries, no worries. But speaking of missing superstars, it has been announced today that South Africa's legend Dale Stain is retiring from all cricket. He featured in 93 Tests, 125 ODIs, and 47 T20s. Stain had already retired from test matches in August 2019 to prolong his career after a number of injuries. Stain had laid low by a spate of injuries, and in December of 2015, he injured his shoulder in the Durban test versus England and was ruled out of the rest of the tour. He went under the knife to reattach his coracoid is that what that word is i think that's what that word is but unfortunately for stain he again injured it in the process of the perth test in 2016 stain returned for the test series against india in 2018 but only to sustain a freakish heel injury in cape town he made a successful comeback to the test arena in the 18-19 season playing against pakistan and sri lanka however he would suffer another shoulder problem during the ipl in 2019 and subsequently couldn't play in the world cup due to the injury uh but we normally switch who goes first but i will let you go first and talk a little bit about the man that is dale stain and what his retirement means to cricket you know, the first thing I tweeted yesterday when I read about Dale Stain retiring was, you know, there are so many people, you know, so many fast bowlers in the history of the game who made fast bowling exciting. I think Dale Stain made fast bowling sexy. I think he was just, uh, and if you look at his numbers, you can, it's tough to argue that he wasn't the greatest fast bowler of all time. You know, 93 test matches to take, 439 wickets, best strike rate for any fast bowler ever. And strike rate in cricket, when it comes to bowling, is the number of balls you need to take a wicket. And I think he needed, he took a wicket every 21 balls. That is, is, is an incredible record to have over that long, uh, that period of time. When you see his record in the subcontinent, he won test matches for South Africa in India, on flat tracks in India uh, twice, uh, and, you know, in Sri Lanka as well. So he, uh, you know, some people argue he wasn't always at his best in England and New Zealand, uh, England and Australia. Uh, uh, he did take a lot of wickets at home. But, you know, Dale Stain, Jimmy Anderson always get compared compared uh, together. Dale Stain much quicker of the two. Uh, and, you know, uh, but a ter- terrific outswing bowler. But he had everything. He had a sharp bouncer. He used to bowl at 90 plus miles an hour. He had a sharp, um, excellent Yorker. He had it all. He had the greatest celebration uh, uh, for a long time. Uh, you know, uh, the lawnmower celebration, uh, 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 which he was known for the the terror in his eyes. Like every time, you know, he was fired up and he wanted, and terror in, is not in his eyes, like, you know, uh, for seeing someone, but batsmen used to see uh, terror, like, you know, when he used to come running at them. So, uh, you know those intense eyes. He had he had everything. He was a uh, excellent fast bowler. And my colleague in South Africa, Telford Weiss, has written a beautiful piece about uh, Dale Stain in Crickbus, number one cricket website in the world, of course. And uh, I, yeah, I, I I will be tweeting it out later. And you know he, I think the headline 
comes from his piece. It says the fast bowlers, fast bowler who had no business bowling fast because he wasn't uh, a six foot five monster. So this is an interesting point, uh, you know, segue into wrestling and uh, mixing wrestling and cricket. Like, you know, you always talk about uh, the big guys in wrestling, right? Everyone from a Hulk Hogan, like I'm not even talking about the Andre, the giant, like, you know, from Kevin Nash to Hulk Hogan to, Razor Ramon to Roman Reigns, not Roman Reigns, but the big guys always got the big, big titles in wrestling. Uh, but, you know, and similarly in cricket, the fast bowlers were generally all six feet and above, like, you know, and the most feared fast bowlers were always six, three and above, six, four and above, the great West Indians and the great Australians. But uh, in Dale Stain, you had someone uh, who was, what, five feet ten, not the fast, not the tallest, not the strongest looking um, fast bowler either, but he was the fast bowler's fast bowler, as Telford has put it. Uh, and like I said, his record is just uh, incredible. I don't see anyone else really coming close to that overall record in Test cricket. He, like I said earlier, he gets compared to Jimmy Anderson. Jimmy Anderson, in terms of longevity, is the greatest swing bowler of all time. You know, to play 165 tests and continuing to play to date and taking over 630 wickets makes him the 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 most. Um, how do I put it? Like you know, yes, I mean, in terms of uh, his longevity, maybe the greatest ever. But in terms of impact, I think Dale Stain created more impact than anyone else. And he was the number one bowler in Test cricket for. I think 200 weeks or some crazy amount of time, like many, many years. So he just ruled the world for uh, nearly a decade after starting in 2004. Uh, and then injuries started, you know, creeping up around that time, around 2015. And, you know, Telford writes beautifully about how he was also outspoken in press conferences. And, but a lovely man of, uh, of the field. I remember during IPLs, uh, Rajiv, he would have this competition where uh, he would leave tickets for uh, people in, cafes in different cafes wherever whichever city he was in uh and it would almost be like a, a treasure hunt you know he would leave clues and then people could find tickets a very sweet guy and also arguably the only fast bowler to have ever appeared in a hollywood movie there's a, a horrible movie and like he's used very badly it's called i think it's called blender it's an adam sandler movie so you need to be a diehard <laughs> <laughs> Adam Sandler fan to find Dale Stain in the movie and uh, it's very bad graphics as well you can see that Dale Stain is not even in the same forget the same frame he's not even in the same country when that was recorded you can see it's just one scene where he bowls to um, uh, Dale Stain tries to bowl to Adam Sandler's son or something like that it's, it's a horrible movie but yeah so uh, yeah I mean uh, all the best to Dale Stain uh, I'm sure he has so much more to offer to cricket um, uh, going forward, and yes, a fun person, and like I said, arguably the greatest fast bowler ever in terms of numbers for sure. Well, firstly, I liked Blended, so oh. there's that. And uh, <laughs> secondly, we're gonna go ahead and make that our over the rope segment as well. There was so much good stuff about Dale Stain there. Uh, I don't have much to add to that other than uh, I've I saw him very very little because he was usually he was injured a lot by the time I started watching cricket but when i did see him in the ipl you are right every time he was bowling it was exciting so uh you know you would always sit up a little bit when you saw him with the ball in hand because you didn't know what was going to happen he could take a wicket uh somebody could hit the ball very far because of the pace so anything could have happened when dale stain had ball in hand so that was also over the ropes with buttits and the 
Hey, but at some some point, I have to talk about India's 1971. Yes, well, we'll get we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> During one of her recent Twitch streams, Paige commented that her WWE contract is done in June of next year. She stated, and I quote, "My contract is up in June of next year. Who knows if they would want to give me a new contract? Who's to say they would want to?" Page had re-signed with WWE in November of 2019 with original reports stating that she signed for another four years. But after her statement on Twitch, that is obviously not true. Due to a neck injury, Page was forced out of in-ring competition back in December of 2017. With the likes of Edge, Brian Danielson, and Christian Cage making their returns to the ring, Page has noted that it has been an inspiration for her to get back to work. She noted on Twitter this past Sunday, and I quote, "I'm not done yet." Firstly, with all the great stuff happening around pro wrestling these days, do you think she will re-sign with WWE, and do you see her returning to the ring as well? Mm. I don't think she's going to re-sign with WWE as a performer. If she re-signs with WWE, I think they're going to use her more behind the scenes, like they have been so far. Uh, honestly, I couldn't tell you what Paige is doing right now with WWE, other than. being able to do her Twitch streams. Uh, mm. So I don't think she's going to go back to them right now. NWA is really starting to pick up with the women's movement with their empower pay-per-view that just happened recently. They have uh, Nick Aldis's wife, Mickey James is pretty much heading the women's division there. They use some AEW talent on that empower pay-per-view. So they're not adverse to working with other companies to get women's wrestling on their show. So I think that would probably be her best spot to land. I think if she were to land in AEW, a match between her and Dr. Britt Baker would do wonders and mm. would probably help sell a couple pay-per-views and maybe get some ratings up because she hasn't been in the ring in a very long time, much like CM Punk hadn't been in a ring in a very long time. So I don't see her returning to WWE. I could see her returning to the ring because of the people that are inspiring her to come back. And yeah, I think NWA is probably going to be her best bet as a landing spot. Yeah, and uh, before we start talking about Paige, can we just pat ourselves on the back? I read somewhere that uh, Bray Wyatt might be going to Impact or uh, Willem uh, Rotunda. And oh, there we go. First on chop on, yeah. I mean, not <laughs> like we haven't. You know, this wasn't the reporter's piece. Oh, we people. have zero uh, intel, people. We're just exactly. We're, We're just speculating. Educated guesses, yeah, and like you know, but it tells you how educated we are when it comes to the wrestling business these days. But oh uh, yeah, but look, I I don't know what you thought of the Page movie. Uh, I actually saw. Oh, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I think generally, WWE centric movies aren't the best. They are like sporting movies in India. I mean, they are like uh, overblown in terms of you know, uh, like you can see the WWE touch to it. But I thought the movie was, uh, except maybe. He could have done without the rock influence. I thought Agreed. that, yeah. I mean, if he could have been given a more limited role, but I thought it was a very good movie. I think uh, everyone did a great job. Even the crew in England, uh, you know, the people who play her family, I think they did a great job. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I always thought Paige had so much to offer. Uh, in the ring, off the ring. I don't know. I think she even did a fair job with the general manager role. I thought she was quite good. One of the better general managers WWE have had in the ring. 
uh, or especially former wrestler turned manager, former kind of injured wrestler turned manager. Um, and hey, Daniel Bryan did something similar. And where is he going now? So he could, she could also well be going to AEW because I don't see WWE having seen her having had any use for Paige in these last few months. But then also the argument is then why haven't they let go of her fully? Right, like yeah, like they have with so many people who that just featured so heavily on their TV screen. I mean, on their TV shows. So maybe they do have something in mind for Paige. I, I don't know, but does Paige wants to stay uh, back? And uh, you know, where is women's wrestling right now in WWE? Uh, you know, who, who does she feud with there? I don't know. I mean, you can always picture her in a feud with Becky Lynch. It can happen if she does want to come back into wrestling and uh, which wouldn't be a bad feud. I don't think the two have really had a serious feud. I know she's had one with Charlotte Flair in the past, but not one with Becky Lynch. So there are a few exciting prospects in SmackDown, especially the Raw Women's Division again seems to be yeah overcrowded and nobody seems to have any clear direction. Yesterday I saw Nia Jax beat Charlotte Flair and uh, and then later on, I also then went and read that it was uh, became a shoot fight after a point. Like there was some uh, a lot of blown moves in that, and it wasn't. Uh, it didn't look pretty when I watched it. But then later on, to find out, but uh, find out that yeah, things did go really awry between the two. But uh, yeah, I think I'm with you there. But my, my only hesitation to uh, you know, like we did with Bray Wyatt last week, to really uh, you know. Uh, sticking my neck out and saying, yeah, she will leave WWE and go somewhere else, uh, either to NWA or to aid or NWA where Conrad Thompson is now the new commentator <laughs> for AEW, is that if WWE have, like, you know, in that case, they would have just gotten rid of her. Why haven't they, is my question. Maybe they have something in mind for her. And look, she, I think there are some wrestlers who just have that loyalty to WWE. And, you know, like we just mentioned, Paige had a movie made about her. And it was her life story, but the WWE played a big role in it. So maybe there's something in there as well. Keeping with the women's theme here, the Indian women's team has left for Brisbane for their upcoming series against Australia. The series consists of one pink ball test, three ODIs, and three T20s. Originally, they were going to fly to Sydney, but Cricket Australia has moved the matches to Queensland because of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic situation in the country. The tour involves what is described as a hard 14-day quarantine in Brisbane from August 30th to September 13th. Because of a reworked schedule, the start of the series was pushed back by a couple of days. The series starts with the three ODIs with the first one on September 21st. And, uh, you know, is the hard quarantine fair for everybody that's involved? And, uh, Bharat, what can we expect from this series? Uh, first, Rajiv, I don't want to be that person, but it's Brisbane. Brisbane. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm an American. What do I know? Uh, yeah. Hey, speaking of American, uh, I mean, you know, you where you are and me where I am, I'm saying uh, uh, David Fritz, I think, from the USA taking down uh, uh, Alex Diminor from Australia. 14-seeded Alex Diminor at the US Open. So there you go. It's there you kind go. of you know, it's kind of weird, right? Like I know. America, I'm looking at you, and you're in Australia. You're looking at me and watching TV with something in America. That's you know, and an American taking on an Australian. It's all like it's walk. all coming together here on Chop it On. Is. 
it is. Yeah, but next time say Brisbane. <laughs> Brisbane. Okay, <laughs> okay fine. Yeah, you're like Isha, man. Yeah. <laughs> so she every time I correct her about something, she'll insist on them. Like you know, speaking to her. Speaking of Isha, though, Isha might be joining me uh, uh, on a little trip to the Gold Coast, where uh, the Indian and Australian women are supposed to play their test, which is supposed to originally happen at the WACA in Perth. Uh, but that day-night test is now scheduled to happen at uh, the Metricon Stadium in at the Gold Coast. We've, they've played some BBL and WBBL matches there, and maybe T20I. I'm guessing, but not uh, never a test match like men or women. So wow. it'll be interesting. Not much is known about that venue from a test match perspective. Right. So that happens at uh, late September, and that's around when Isha Spring Break holidays start. So. We might be going to the Gold Coast and, um, you know, and then I'll just pack her off uh, and stay back for a week to watch the T20s. And I am so envious fit. of you, my brother. Oh, uh, well, it's just, all, I mean, this is all based on where we are today in terms of South Australia and Queensland. <laughs> so things change very quickly in Australia and they have with this virus. State borders close very, very rapidly. Um, as of now, uh, to, to your original question or earlier question about the hard quarantine, there is there was no other way out. Uh, you know, than to force them into hard quarantine because Queensland have jumped into action at the last minute. Initially, the tour was supposed to start in Sydney and some games in Melbourne and then go to Perth and then come back. But now with uh, New South Wales being hit hard, even today, they've had like over 1,100 cases, uh, a few deaths as well, unfortunately. Victoria uh, is not dealing well either, uh, neither with the vaccination or with the cases. Uh, and Western Australia just shut their borders to uh, a lot of states very quickly. So uh, it eventually wasn't so much about the Indian players, but the Australian players from different states even being allowed there. So that wasn't going to happen. So Queensland, unlike last year, when they played, uh, you know, uh, 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 played, you know, uh, played cat and mouse with Cricket Australia till the end, and then finally withdrew, and then New South Wales stepped in with the Indian men's team. The Indian women's team, Brisbane, have, uh, Queensland have stepped in as a state. So the... ODIs will be played in a, a town called Mackay or Mackay. Or look, even I don't know. I don't know. Somewhere You're over here capital. correcting me with Brisbane. <laughs> hey, it's a state capital, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but this is close to the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, so I wouldn't have minded going for that either. But I, I think it's a little pushing it a little to leave the dog alone for that long. So yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. So instead, like yeah, we will be going, and it should be an exciting series. The a lot the Indian. Uh, players, uh, some of them starred in the 100, so they're coming here in good form. And I think they had an overall decent tour of England, even though they didn't win as much as they would have liked to. So some exciting talent there, talents there, Shafali Verma and Jemima Rodriguez, and of course the uh, legends of Mithali Raj and Harmanpreet Kaur and Smriti Mandana are also around. So I think it'll make for a really good cricket. And Australia are the best team in the world by distance in some formats, in all formats. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be exciting times. But the hard quarantine was uh, non-negotiable. So it, for both Australian and Indian team, 14 days, no practice. They'll all be in their rooms. Uh, but uh, hopefully that they already reached Brisbane and uh, they are quarantining now. So once that's done, uh, yeah, let the games begin. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The hard quarantine definitely needed to happen, especially with the times that we're in and 
how, like you were just saying, the COVID-19 situation is over in Australia. And I'm really, really, really looking forward to the test match. It's it's unfortunate that this series is happening when the IPL reboot is happening. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's going to take away some of the eyes on that pink ball test. But like you said, people in India are going to want to watch cricket at any time. So why not watch the pink ball test after you're done watching the IPL match? I don't, I don't see why that would be a problem. But... I, I'm just super excited to see women's cricket make such big leaps this year. I know yeah. that it's been a crazy time in the whole world with COVID-19 and everything, but I think this has been huge for women's cricket in 2021 with more test matches being played, more broadcasting being done for women's cricket. And while, yes, I am as excited for the ODIs and the T20s, just the fact that a test women's test match for India is happening again in the same year is exciting and to make it a pink ball test just enhances that excitement even more. They showed a lot of grit out there against England during that test match, and I expect absolutely nothing less from this test match with Australia as well as the whole series going forward. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be uh, it's another series where uh, you know all formats matter. It eventually the winner is decided based on uh, points that you accumulate during the ODI series, the test match, and the T20I series. So that always makes it even more exciting. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, like you said, women's cricket is on on the way up. We have a 50-over World Cup uh, coming in New Zealand in February, so hopefully I can get myself to that as well. But uh, yeah, so it's 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 all looking up, and uh, yeah, like we saw with the India England series, it will generate a lot of interest. And uh, the you know the best part about uh, the only good part about it clashing with the IPL is you can technically in India watch wake up watch the women play all day long and then jump to the IPL. So the timings do help that. I don't know how that uh, works out for you. Uh, That might mean a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah, it'll be... Because what time does it start over there? So it would would start around this time. Around this time. So yeah, then I would... Yeah, that would be some sleepless nights. And then (laughs) take a nice little nap in between the end of the match and uh, waking up for work and the IPL. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. It's, uh, yeah, the IPL is at a good time for you, so maybe it'll still work out. And what is going to work out for us is we are taking a break next week so that I can handle a little bit of business, and uh, we will come back in two weeks, and we will be bigger and better than ever. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Chop On. We really appreciate all the love and support that we have received, and hey, if there's something about the show that you think we can improve on, let us know that as well because we can use all the help we can get. Trust me. I'm the one that puts the format together, but it chimes in here and there when he thinks we need to tweak a thing or two, but Hey, we are open for business. Let us know what you think of our show. We are on Instagram and Twitter at chop on pod, but at any last words for our listeners before we head out of here this week. Yeah. I mean, uh, apologies in advance for missing out uh, next Week, but like I said earlier, it's very important time in Rajiv's life in more ways than one, as you will find out very soon. Maybe two weeks from now, we'll talk all about it. The show will be dedicated to Rajiv's life. You know, he does his Ask Rajiv Anything on uh, Talking Dreams. That's another wonderful podcast that he hosts. But we could turn this into a, you know, 
Rajiv says everything <laughs> for man. <laughs> Reveals it all. So, uh, no, I mean, like you said, Rajiv, I just want to back you up on what you said. Please let us know if you think we can improve on something, uh, do something better, show us some love, you know, give us some feedback. That's what we're, you know, and spread the word. This is where cricket and wrestling come together, milk and cookies, uh, and everything else in between, rum and raisin, I don't know. <laughs> that never has worked for me. Not, not a good combination. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, and I don't mean in a cake. Yeah, So, uh, you know, it, it is where we love to talk about the two loves in our life, cricket and wrestling. Uh, and, you know, we have a great time doing it. And hopefully you guys have a great time listening to it. But, hey, just tell us. Tell us what you think. Come on, talk to us. And uh, till next week, or no, till to for the next two weeks you get to chop on people on twitter he is at beastieboy07 i am at the rajiv 8 and until next time keep chopping on people <laughs>